Hey gang, it's Reed. Before we get going, I just want to say thanks again to everybody for your hard work this year and for listening. And I hope that everybody gets a chance to spend time with friends and family and take a little bit of time to reflect on what we were able to accomplish this year and what we have to get done in the coming two years. I know that we'll do it together and I cannot say thank you enough. And now on with the show. Welcome back to The Lincoln Project. I'm your host, Reed Galen. You know, guys, as 2022 comes to an end, I want to take just a few minutes to share some year-end thoughts with y'all. So I'm going to come to you solo today and talk about where we are in the fight for our nation's democracy, what's at stake, and how you all, the listeners of this podcast and those folks who consider themselves part of the pro-democracy coalition, can help. So let's get into it. So where are we in the fight, guys? Let's start from... 2015, when a guy named Donald Trump came on the scene, we all thought he was a joke, no one more than me, and we didn't quite know what to do with someone like this. We'd never seen anything like this in living memory, and so the first thing you do is ridicule, and then by the time we understood what we were up against, it was too late. He was the Republican nominee, and then he was president of the United States, and for four years, Americans got to experience up close what it meant to have an unqualified, to say the least, malignant narcissist sitting behind the Resolute desk in the White House. We've all been through that. I don't want to replay it too much other than to remind ourselves how much we all want to go back to some semblance of normal. And the normal that we knew in 2015, certainly, but since then is gone. And that's not a bad thing necessarily, but it's only a bad thing if that's the starting point at which we say if we could just have it like it used to be. Gang, it's not going to be the way it used to be. It never can be. First, you know, simply time marches on. Next is so much has happened in this country politically, culturally. We've had a pandemic that's killed a million Americans that I don't think that any of us individually or collectively have processed unless we have a family member or someone close to us who was lost to an ongoing pandemic. Educationally, the pandemic twisted everything we knew about education, whether or not that was elementary, middle school, high school, or college. What does it mean to get an education? What does it mean to work remotely? What does it mean to only go to an office two days a week? What does that mean for a generation like mine of Generation X who spent their entire careers going to an office? And for a generation like Gen Z who might never go to an office regularly? What does it mean economically that we've had stubborn inflation for the first time since many people listening to this podcast were either young adults, kids, or don't remember it at all. And so the idea that somehow we can go back to this magical before time is really the same kind of thinking that got us into the trouble with this whole make America great again thing to begin with, which is America is a great country, but we should not mistake a great country for a nation that has to make a choice. And so let's fast forward to 2020. We saw what happens when someone who is fundamentally unserious and inhumane is at the reins of the largest collection of assets humanity has ever known that could have combated a pandemic early. Donald Trump chose to make it a political issue, not a public health issue. And we are still living with the effects of that today, whether or not it was masks or vaccines or prevention, whatever it was. This is a man who chose not to believe it was real, 
because it wasn't in his best interest, even though we knew, because remember that Bob Woodward released an audio tape of him, I think in late 20, where Trump said this thing could be 100 times more deadly than the flu. He knew what he was doing, and he did it anyway, as did the coterie of family members, strap hangers, sycophants around him. Remember, it was his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, recent of the $2 billion Saudi loan, who said if they live in a blue state, let them die, right? Think about that. Are these the kinds of people that we could ever allow to be back in the White House, ever be allowed to run the greatest government that humanity's ever known? The answer to that is no, unequivocally no. So let's forward to 2020, you know, the election. Thank God for Joe Biden and thank God for the pro-democracy coalition that came together to make sure that Joe Biden got over the line. Did we get everything? We certainly didn't. We ended up with a 50-50 Senate and much closer U.S. House of Representatives. But even with that, Joe Biden has been amongst the most successful presidents we've seen in decades, both legislatively on the pro-democracy front and from a national security perspective. But remember, before he was able to take office, Donald Trump, and again, this same group of people around him, attempted to overthrow the United States government in a free and fair election. When somebody commits crimes like this, they are supposed to be held to account. He is supposed to have his day in court. He is supposed to face justice. He will have the same rights as everybody else. This isn't a witch hunt. This is not the deep state. This is not the progressive left going after him. This is the system doing what's supposed to do. The difference, though, now, guys, is that the stakes are so much higher because the people on the anti-democracy side, on the MAGA side, on the America First side, fundamentally don't believe in the rule of law. They don't care about this stuff. They want to do what they want to do, how they want to do it, and they want the rest of us to either stick our heads in the sand, watch it go by and shake our heads, or be scared by the idea that if we try and stand up, that somehow something bad will happen to us. And as history has taught us, gang, the worst thing that any of us can do is pretend like the threat is not upon us. I was at a Christmas party last week and a friend of mine said, so how's democracy? And I said, you tell me. And he said, I'm a head in the sand kind of guy. I just want it all to go away. And I said, well, I get it, but I'll tell you, politics doesn't leave anybody alone. Head in the sand, head in the sky, looking straight ahead, wherever you are, you may not want anything to do with politics, but politics will always find you. And at that same party, we were talking about Trump and the ugliness of what the Republican Party's become. And you know, we started talking about Germany in the 1930s. And somebody said, well, you know, most Germans back then, when Hitler first came to power, weren't Nazis. Well, that's true in the sense that they weren't party members. And it's true that I think at his electoral height, Adolf Hitler received 34% of the popular vote in a parliamentary system. But that was enough. But what else was enough was no one said no. No one said no. Everybody capitulated right along the line. Every other party in the country capitulated in the face of violence. The conservative political elite believed that they could control the guy, and they couldn't. The business community, the financiers, believed that they can control the guy, so they financed his elections and his party apparatus, and they couldn't control him. He used, like we see the Republican Party now, the specter of communism and socialism, although he was a socialist or a national socialist anyway, as a reason why he should be in power. Look, you may not like me, but I'll tell you those people are worse. And that's how a lot of people, 
from newspaper publishers in England to bankers to the arms industry who was happy to have rearmament occur. And then during the 1930s, as he started pushing out from the box that Germany had been put in after World War I, everybody just said, oh, it's not that bad. We'll argue, we'll argue, we'll complain. Is anybody going to stand up to the guy? No. And you know what? He's in power for 12 years and instigated the greatest conflagration humanity's ever known. And that's what happens, guys, when you don't stand up and speak out. The inputs for how we get to a place like this and from the 1930s are very different. There's no question. But the outputs from such an event can be very similar because they all lead into one thing, which is a megalomaniac running a political movement. And let me just say this, guys. The Republican Party is part of an authoritarian movement. You probably heard me say this. You might even be bored by hearing it. But you know what? It bears repeating. The Republican Party is the political wing of an authoritarian movement run by Donald Trump. There is Turning Point USA led by Charlie Kirk. There are all the front groups run by people like Stephen Miller and Mark Meadows. There are the financiers run by the likes of, you know, Stephen Schwartzman. There are the establishment people that want to go along like Mitch McConnell who may hate Trump and may even say it, but like they're ultimately all complicit and responsible for this kind of stuff. There's a dedicated and ever-expanding media and propaganda operation, right, that we all see and we all feel, even if we're not part of it, and an at least willing mainstream media to cover the likes of the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Carrie Lakes as if they are mainstream and serious politicians. They are not, but they are deadly, deadly threatening to the United States, to our democracy, and to what it means to be an American, because they don't believe in the things that you and I believe in, gang. How many more glossy magazine covers does Marjorie Taylor Greene have to get before we say, wait, 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 how far have we moved in this country where she is now considered a legitimate power broker in one of the two political parties in this country? Guys, that scares the hell out of me, and it should scare the hell out of you, right? So now, 2022, we have the Dobbs decision, we have inflation, we have war in Ukraine, we have all of these black swans, guys, right? The, these events that should only occur once in a lifetime are now occurring every six months. We go and we see in October, everybody says the Republicans are going to win, it's going to be the red wave, it's going to be the red wave. A lot of it's bullshit, right? A lot of it is cooked up by right-wing pollsters and right-wing media outlets. Mainstream media buys it hook, line, and sinker. Election day, November. It's a much better night for Democrats and democracy than any of us hoped it could be. We had an inkling that it wouldn't be as bad, right? We even said as much in January that the craziness of the Republican Party, the inability and unwillingness to take seriously the issues facing Americans and the candidates that they would put up would mean that Democrats should do better. And they did. And so what did we do? We bought ourselves time and space, right? Time and space, a little breathing room to figure out where this goes. But here's where we have to go from here, gang. And we saw this in 2016 after Trump was elected. We saw this in 2020 after Trump was defeated. And now we're seeing it again in 2022 after democracy was saved by winning governor's races and secretaries of state races in places like Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, which is most of the world wants to move on. They want to take a break from politics. I get it. Everybody wants to enjoy some time off, time with family, holidays. A lot of people seeing each other who haven't seen each other in months, maybe years because of COVID, and they just want to turn it off. They want to watch football, they want to watch the World Cup, and they want to enjoy time. I get it. But here's what happens. 
in that vacuum, what have we seen? Donald Trump being ridiculed, and rightfully so, for selling imaginary baseball cards and them all selling out. And if it's a scam, it won't surprise me, but guys, somebody bought the damn things. A collection of MAGA and America first weirdos and zealots gather in Phoenix, Arizona this past weekend, each one of them more insane than the last, each one of them intimating violence, and each one of them getting raucous applause. They are moving into the space. We see Marjorie Taylor Greene at a Manhattan Republican function talk about how if she and Steve Bannon had been in charge on January 6th, they would have won. What does that mean, they would have won? That means that we would live in an occupied country, that Donald Trump would still be sitting in the White House, and that the levers of government as we have known them would be broken for good. They're damaged, but they're not broken. And so what we should never underestimate, guys, is how well these people understand that when there's a void, they start to fill it. And that's the kind of thing that we can never allow to have happen because the more time they spend doing that kind of stuff, the harder it is to chisel it all away and make sure that Americans, again, most of whom are trying to pay their rent, keep their jobs, get their kids fed and educated, and try and pursue life, liberty, and happiness as they see it, all of this stuff is predicated on the idea that democracy is in place. And if it's not, life becomes arbitrary. Democracy doesn't solve all problems, guys. But what it tries to do when implemented correctly, and as I said, it is an imperfect system. It will always be imperfect. But what it tries to do is take out the arbitrary nature of life to the extent that any of us can. I don't have to worry about talking into this microphone and being thrown in a jail cell. I don't have to worry that if I say the wrong thing to somebody at a party, that I will suddenly be under the microscope of some government agency. The idea that who you are, what you are, where you come from, what you believe, your religious creed, your income level, should have no bearing on your value and your equality before the law and your opportunity. And look, there's lots of stuff that we can talk about. We do have a yawning earning and income gap and wealth gap in this country that is the kind of thing that can also lead to bad things, but we can get to that in more detail later. And so as we get towards Christmas here, and some of us are celebrating Hanukkah, and to those of you celebrating, happy Hanukkah, I want you to take your break. I want you to get some rest. I want you to spend time with your family and your friends. I want you to recharge. But understand, guys, that the fight continues. It has not stopped. It has not slowed down. If anything, it will speed up. Because as we see January 3rd coming, which was when a new Congress will take office, Republicans will control the United States House of Representatives. They will be crazy, right? There is no moderation or moderating force in the Republican Party, guys. If you think that Ron DeSantis and Glenn Youngkin are able to move the Republican Party back to, quote unquote, where it used to be as a sane center-right party, I have a bridge to sell you. They endorsed Carrie Lake. They endorsed Herschel Walker. They endorsed Adam Laxalt. They campaign for these people, gang. They have a foot in MAGA, and MAGA will either kick them out or take them in altogether. It does nothing else. And so now, as we get into 2023, Republicans in the House will attempt to cut funding for Social Security and Medicare. They will attempt to cut funding for aid to Ukraine. They will attempt to shut down the government 
by refusing to increase the debt ceiling in this country, the amount of money that the United States government's allowed to borrow. Because for them, gang, it's all about chaos. That's all they want. They don't care. And because Kevin McCarthy is so desperate to become Speaker of the House, he will go along with all of it. He will go along with all of the crazy because he is not even a convert, but he is ambitious and single-minded about the things that he wants. And the things that he wants don't match up with what the country needs. And that's what a leader is supposed to do, is look back and say, what do my people need? What does this country need? Kevin McCarthy looks in the mirror and says, what's best for me? And that's why we're going to have a very rough, I think, 2023 gang. Now, listen, if House Republicans want the Hunter Biden laptop to be the hill that they die on, let's give it to them. It's our job to make sure that we tie all these people together. Nobody's innocent on the GOP side. They're all part of the same system. And for the good of the country, we need to make sure our friends who are Democrats, our friends who are independents, our friends who are Republicans are in sick of it, are aware of this stuff, right? We can't let anybody forget just how awful these people are and the things that they've already done with Donald Trump in office and the things that guys they say they'll do if in power again. They don't hide. Authoritarians never hide from what they want to do. They tell you. And then they expect, and a lot of times they're right, that the average individual, the average citizen won't do anything because, again, they're trying to protect their job, they want their kid to get into that great college, or they're just flat out scared. And the fear is understandable. But when the time comes, you have to ask yourself, when we were fighting for American democracy in 2023 and 2024, where were you? Were you on the side of the authoritarians? Were you on the side of the pro-democracy movement? Or did you stand by and want to see how it came out? Guys, if too many people stand by and stand back, the bad guys will win. But we know that there are more of us than there are of them. But only if we stay united and stay active. Some of these days will be hard. Some of these days will be long. It is a long stretch. There's a reason why we call them campaigns, because they go on for a long time. When faced with exhaustion, as I said, the option is not to quit, but to rest. And so I think as we go into 2023 here, gang, you're going to see from the Lincoln Project, a lot more in-your-face messaging and action, if such a thing is possible from us, making sure that those voters who need to be informed about the threats to our democracy are informed, that they get involved, that y'all stay involved, and that we, as a movement, as a pro-democracy effort, will be successful. But guys, we're at a fork in the road here. We have to go one way, one way towards democracy, and light, and as Dr. King said, start to bend that arc of history towards justice, or we have to go down the darker path. And the darker path gets very, very hazy in a very big hurry. And before you know it, you look around and you can't see anything. And now you are being impacted. You are being told what to do. You're being told what you can't do. And now all of the things that we've taken for granted for most of our lives are gone. If you think the Dobbs decision was the end, Gang, it was just the beginning. We're going to see a lot more of this. Why have conservatives always been so adamant about the federal judiciary and Supreme Court justices? Because they know that their view of the world is broadly unpopular and that the only way that they can impose their will is through an unelected sort of super Congress, people who serve for life and are largely unaccountable to the individual American. And with a 6-3 court, 
can and will impose a lot of things that most Americans think are absolutely beyond the pale, but that's where we are. But good news, guys, is that what I saw in 2020 as I traveled around the country was that there are hundreds of thousands, I would even say millions of Americans who believe in American democracy. And regardless of where they sit on a given ideological spectrum, from AOC to Liz Cheney, they are willing to lock arms and get going and push forward in the right direction. And I think that in 2020, we understood what we needed to do. In 2021 and 2022, we started to plant the seeds of those people in those key states and across the country. And now I think, guys, those seeds of democracy are going to start to sprout and bloom. And I think by November of 2024, they will be in full flower and that we will see that if President Biden chooses to run again, he will be reelected, that Democrats will probably retake the House and that it will be a tough go for Democrats in the United States Senate, but we'll make it a fight. And so, guys, the next step in this is the most important step. In the next two years, we've got a lot of work to do. The next 12 months will be key to most of that work. I cannot wait to share with you more about what we've got going on. I cannot wait for you all to join us in a more impactful and substantive way than you already have, which for some of you is just absolutely incredible. And I can only say thank you. But here's what I will say, gang, as I leave you with this. We have the opportunity of a lifetime. We have the chance to be part of a fight that matters, the fight that matters for everything. It's for all the marbles, gang, the whole thing. And so I ask you, go to lincolnproject.us and sign up. Go to jointheunion.us and sign up to volunteer. Gang, together we will do this. I know it. We've been at this three years. It's hard to believe that, but here we are. And I cannot say thank you enough. We would not be here without you. And for everybody, I want to say I hope you have a happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, or whatever celebration may come to your home. I hope everybody gets a chance to spend time with friends and family. And until then, as always, you can find me on Twitter, TikTok, and post, newly on post, at Reed Galen, on Instagram, at Reed underscore Galen underscore LP. Until then, gang, have a safe and happy and healthy holiday season, and I'll see you next time. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to The Lincoln Project on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or however you listen. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. To connect with us, follow us on Twitter, at Project Lincoln. And for more information on our movement, to join our mailing list, subscribe to our newsletter, or make a contribution to our efforts, visit lincolnproject.us. If you want to message the podcast directly, please send an email to podcast at lincolnproject.us. And if you want to personally join the fight to save our nation's democracy, visit jointheunion.us. For The Lincoln Project, I'm Reed Galen. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.